dampen lights he just wants to be heard whether it's the beat of the mic he feels so unlike everybody else alone in spite of the fact that some people still think that they know but no he knows the code it's not about the salary it's all about reality and making some noise making a story making sure his click stays up that means when he puts it down tops picking it up let's go Who the hell is he anyway he never really talks much never conserve status but still even in starstruck humble through opportunities given despite the fact that many misjudge him because he makes a living from writing raps put it together himself got a picture connects never asking for someone's help but it gets some respect he's only focused on what he wrote his will is beyond reach and now it all unfolds the skill of an artist this is 20 percent skill 80 percent fear be 100 percent clear because riot was ill who would have thought he'd be the one that set the west in flames and i heard him wreck it with the crystal method name of the game came back dropped mega death took him to church i like bleach man why you had the stupidest verses dude is the truth now everybody giving them guest spots and stocks through the roof i heard him from with that stock. this is 10 percent luck 20 percent skill 15 percent concentrated power of will five percent pleasure 50 percent And he's spitting fire and Mike got him out the dryer. He's hot, found him in Fort Minor with top. But a fucking Nile is porcupine. He's a he's a the type women want to be with him. Rappers hope he gets eight years in the make. Welcome to the show. It is Daniel Werman coming to you from the Dream Imagine A Sports Studios. It is 9 a.m. on the East Coast. This is your 6 a.m. West Coast wake-up call. It is Wednesday, May the 1st. Thanks for tuning in. Got a lot of stuff going right here at the top of the show. Um, and we're, we're going to get into some of the, the big news from yesterday domestically in just a minute. However, uh, before we, we get to that, I think it's important to, uh, to, to definitely recognize that Ajax is a force to be reckoned with. They are, are continuing to, to bring it in the Champions League. Um, and, and I, I think Tottenham's going to have a, a tough time in the second leg, pulling it off. And then, you know, look at today. Today's the big one. The big one everyone's been, been talking about since the fixture was announced. This is Barcelona. This is Liverpool. 
Uh, on a personal note, my my two favorite clubs in the world, Barcelona has has absolutely my heart, uh, but I I do love Liverpool a lot. But you know, I uh, I've got to stay true to to my all time number one, and um, so today um, I cannot walk alone with all of you. I um, but I, I do hope for a good match. It'll be interesting to see uh, how Suarez and Coutinho handle the um, how they handle the the tie, you know, and in the official match between the two and all of that, you know, and and, and to see if there's any drama there um, and see what kind of um, you know back and forth there might be. Uh, it'll be real interesting, you know, when 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 the ball kicks off to see some of the tactics that are employed by Liverpool to try to counter Barcelona and Messi and, and, you know, the others that, that will, will be on the pitch with him. I'm, I'm really hoping for Dembele uh, to be out there. I think, I think he can cr- create a lot of problems for, um, uh, for Liverpool. And uh, that's just going to make more, uh, time and and opportunities for Messi to do what what Messi does. So, um, you know, we'll see we'll see what happens. Um, and and it'll be definitely will be something that I'm watching, and uh, I know many of you will be watching. On the domestic front, um, look, some big news dropped yesterday. We we've been looking at, you know, what's going to happen with this um, FIFA case between Crossfire. And, um, you know, the transfer of Yedlin from Seattle MLS franchise to Tottenham. And uh, the news broke yesterday that um, a few weeks ago on uh, April the 11th um, that the the FIFA's uh, dispute resolution uh, chamber... released on Monday what they had already decided back on April the 11th that the claim for Crossfire to collect solidarity payments um, was denied. It was rejected by FIFA's dispute resolution chamber on Monday. Now, we don't know why, um, and, and so the lawyer representing Crossfire has indicated that they will pursue the explanation and also look to pursue, um, you know, an appeal possibly as well. Um, there's a lot of speculation, and Mickey Turner did a great job. He'll actually be on next Tuesday, and we're, we're going to dive into this. Uh, while he's on next Tuesday in, in full detail. And, and, and I'm sure by then he'll have even more to kind of uh, fill us in on this and some of the other court cases that he's that he's following. But it, th- there's a lot of assumptions made as to to why uh, this decision was was, uh, you know, come to why, why this decision was made. So um, Lance Reich, uh, the. The attorney for Crossfire um, expressed bewilderment at the decision, said he has requested a copy of the ruling. Um, And and so they they're definitely not happy with with what happened. Some of the speculation that that Mickey lays out 
is that uh, there's a few things, and and this is kind of what I want to want to talk about for just a second. So the the first thing here is that Tottenham claimed in their defense uh, several reasons why they should not have to pay. The first was that Yedlin's player passport was incomplete. Um, so for anyone watching. And, and you're like, what is a player passport? Is that different from a U.S. passport? Yes, it is. And every federation is required to keep records of their players. So federations around the world, when you register as a player, you're typically registered directly with your federation. It's it's like getting a a national driver's license. And, um, and so... When you when you um, register if in in another country, that federation is is getting your information. You are in their database. They're able to track you. They know they know where you're registered to play, what club you are registered with, etc. All of that data is available. That information is there, and it and it is tracked. And that is goes into this document called a player passport, which every federation is required to keep on their players. Well, in America, when you have millions of players, does it, does it really matter to keep records on all of these players when you only have a handful that, that may go overseas, etc.? Well, th the problem is, is you don't know. You don't know at 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old who's going to go. So the federation, for years was aware of this fiduciary duty and didn't do it. They just said, look, like, we don't really care. Not a big priority to us. We're not going to track it. We're not going to try to track it. We're not going to worry about keeping up with it. Like, we've got other things we're worried about. And so they just basically ignored their duties. And, and that is actually, I don't know if I would say likely, but... From, from what I've read and from some of the things I've heard, could lead to a class action suit against the Federation, another legal challenge for U.S. soccer. This Federation, every time you turn around, is continuing to be shown to, to not be up for the job. Uh, the leadership has not been doing what it needed to do as a Federation. There are some basic things that you are required to do under the U.S. Olympic Committee and the U and, and, and FIFA, the International Governing Body of Soccer, the two um, governing bodies that that are overseeing U.S. soccer. There, there are a few things that U.S. soccer has to do to be in compliance with both of those entities. And on multiple occasions, the Federation has chosen not to do things. They've not to do chosen not to do things when it comes to FIFA compliance in the area of solidarity and payments and training compensation, in the area of record keeping when it comes to player passports, promotion and relegation, etc. With the US Olympic Committee, for a long time, they didn't have their rules and setups and, and governance structure, as we were talking about on yesterday's show, set up properly when it came when it came to athlete representation. And I would argue that they still don't have that fully addressed. Um, they they may have it for the technicality and, and legalese of the law, the Ted Stevens Act, but for the spirit of representing athletes, I don't I don't believe the Federation has has fulfilled its duties there. And so. You, you see this this just ongoing um, 
track record of U.S. soccer failing to do its job, and and it's 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 having negative ramifications on the country. People people ask, well, you know, why should they get paid because of pay to play? Well, how do you begin to change that if you don't have a system that rewards sporting merit? That's promotion relegation, or sporting merit in the area of development. That's training compensation and, and solidarity payments. If you don't have that, how else are you going to function as an organization? Well, you can go get sponsors, and, and I ran a club that way. It's difficult. It's very difficult, and it's very difficult to scale that beyond, you know, a couple dozen kids. It's it's very difficult to build out a club of 100, 200, 400, 500 people, and it's all just sponsor-based alone with with no other revenue streams, no no television coming in through your first team, no first first team tickets, et cetera. So there's a lot of problems we have in American soccer and and FIFA compliance or failing uh, the federation failing to ensure FIFA compliance in all areas has has negative effects on the entire country and clubs like Crossfire have been literally caught in the middle of this. Um, so you know. Yellen's pa- player passport was incomplete. Another U.S. soccer uh, has a history of questionable record keeping. Um, another reason Tottenham gave out was the, the pay to play of Crossfire and that Crossfire is not a professional organization and does not offer youth players professional contracts. That last argument is irrelevant. Uh, there are clubs all over the world that produce players that are not registering professional players they're they're amateur clubs and um and they're able to sell their players they're able to later if they didn't sell and they left they are able to get compensation etc so that that last one is is irrelevant uh i don't really know why uh tottenham chose to throw that in there but in this case um that the main points of looking at this is the fact that the the U.S. soccer record keeping is the real problem here, and um, you know I've heard uh, that for a long time with this case that uh, top level people at U.S. soccer, including Sunil Galati, have been working feverishly behind the scenes to to get this case tossed, to get it thrown out, um, and and by you know any means necessary let's get this thing out of there um they don't they didn't want this to go through so um it appears that that those efforts have have at least up to this far have been successful so we will see what happens next um it'll 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 be curious to watch um you know as this thing unfolds it, it's definitely um, definitely definitely worth following because it could have it could have very big effects on the system at large. Uh, today's sponsor is Charity Water. If you don't know about Charity Water, check them out at charitywater.org. They provide clean drinking water to people all over the world. They are literally changing lives. Check them out at charitywater.org. We will be right back in just a minute with Tommy Muller Nielsen. A first team Manchester United scout, and we're gonna we're gonna dig into a lot of good things. So uh, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. 
क्लास दुई क्लास तीन तीन क्लास का बच्चा उन्हें रूप में प्रयुक्त कर Welcome back to the show. We are really excited to have joining us Tommy Moeller Nielsen live from Denmark, a Manchester United first team scout. Tommy, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you very much. A pleasure to be here. So, um, you you grew up in in Denmark. Your your dad was uh, the coach of the national team, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And and so you grew up as a player and have spent time as a coach and and now as a scout. Before we get into the scouting piece, I, I want to go back just for a second and kind of talk about like your youth, growing up, growing up, you know, uh, in the in the shadows of your dad and his work and kind of be, being able to grow up in, in and around the game of football. Tell us what that was like growing up there as a kid there in Denmark, uh, be, having that kind of access to the game. Yeah, but I'm, I must say, first of all, it was um, it was actually a, ple- uh, a pleasure because he was a good dad, and uh, I was so lucky uh, as a young footballer to have a dad who was a football coach, and um, that I was more and less involved all the time in football and. Uh, uh, the whole interest in the family, uh, everything was about my dad's job. And uh, when I was a young player, used I played for Odense, where he was a coach as well. So um, I was at the training ground with him every day after school, and uh, that was uh, that was. Um, many people will say that it's always difficult when when I became a, a, a professional. Uh, the two first years, I got me that as a coach, but uh, many people will say it's very difficult uh, to have uh, your own dad as a coach. But but uh, it, it was okay because he treated me hard, and uh, nobody could say that um, that he's only playing because his uh, his dad is a coach. So um, I had a good uh, use. Uh, 
time in Odense. BK is a is a great club in Denmark and um, great club for the kids as well. And uh, we had at that time Danish champions and uh, Danish cup winners. So uh, it was brilliant at that time. So you you continue your your pathway up as a player. At, at what point did you decide? Okay, hey, I want to transition out of playing into coaching. I did. I, I wanted to play as long as 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 possible because there's there's two things about football. This is the best thing about football is playing. And my dad always told me play as long as you can, and he's telling that to everybody. He. Uh, he he told that to everybody, but uh, I was unlucky to get a bad injury at uh, 30 years old, and uh, with a bad Achilles injury, and uh, but sometimes it can be when you got an injury early, because I know exactly what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a coach like 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 my dad. Because I could see he had an exciting life, and uh, I could see that he could make a living out of his hobby, and uh, that was basically what he's always said: um, if you can do that in any way of life, then you can have a good life, and you you um, you you uh, you'll enjoy it. So uh, I know for sure, since I was young player, that I want after my career which I've actually sought because I was very fit. That would be a long uh, career. Uh, but I was so unlucky with that injury so that I couldn't come back. But then you can say again that then you come in early into coaching. And that can that can be very helpful for you instead of coming in maybe when, uh, when, when you're older. So um, I wanted to play as long as possible, but an injury s- simply stopped me and I went early into coaching. So as a coach, what, what is your general um, playing philosophy? What, what, do you, what do you enjoy? Is there a certain style of play that, that you enjoy coaching, developing players uh, in a certain style that, that you like uh, to play with? Winning the football games. That's simply uh, the first thing I, uh, I'm thinking about. Looking at the squad when you come in as a coach, looking at the players, what you have, what what kind of... Uh, it's not so much about... Football is, of course, about system and, and about there's a lot of things that has to be in, in order. But first of all, you lo- have to look at your players. Have to see if you have the real players in. Have you see if you have players with character, players who want to win and players who want to play for the team and not for themselves. And uh, then... Football is a simple game for simple people. So my philosophy is about playing my team, keep it as simple as possible. Uh, don't get it too complicated because then you sometimes make it more complicated for your own players than for the uh, for the opponent. So um, I like the way I like my team to play is with a lot of aggression, a lot of power, a lot of energy. Um, get the supporters uh, behind us, show that we want to win the game, and uh, then bring some happiness into the supporters. And you, the best way to do that is to show them that you want to win them games, and then try to win them. 
So you're you're coaching. You're you're you 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 come up as a player. Obviously, we we've talked about the the natural kind of leaning towards coach coaching. Seeing your dad coaching, you get into coaching, and then you have an opportunity to become a Manchester United first team scout. Tell us a little bit about that process and transition from, you know, looking at, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to coach and, and be, you know, a first team coach and, and manage and all of that into this, this new role of, of identifying and scouting players. Yeah, but it's a, it's um it's a little bit longer pro, uh, progress because I really enjoy coaching as well and and uh, I'm a pro licensed coach and being uh, he- head coach of Glasgow Rangers Football Club uh, in Scotland as well and and coaching is 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 some fantastic thing and what I said before coaching and football is about winning there's a lot of other things of course that's come with with that uh, kind of work. You have to make your your, your team to play in a, a, a real system. You have to have rules. You have to train and train and train in all the small details so everything is in order. You have to analyze. You have to know the opponent. There's a lot of things to do, but mainly it's about to to be so prepared uh, that the players know exactly what to do. And uh, football in in football games, there's so many things happens. Uh, millions of things. So you cannot prepare everything, but you can make the players uh, feel that they are ready uh, to um, uh, to go out and have a battle. But then, after a while, sometimes you you always, as as um, as a coach, you get the sack. You 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 will always get do do that. Every every good coach, every uh, coach all over the world on every level. Will will get the sack. It's it's it it it's come with the games, uh, and uh, then I was lucky at the beginning when I when I uh, went to Everton with Walter Smith from uh, from uh, Glasgow Rangers. We went down to Everton, and uh, uh, when the manager is getting the sack, the whole staff is going out. So I, instead of just going around waiting on the next job. Uh, I became a scout in between as many English coaches and managers are doing, because then you're involved, and you know the you know the market, you in you networking, you coming away from home, and you out to see games, and and uh, you're ready. As soon as as a call uh, comes, we want you as a coach. Can you start tomorrow? So, in between my coaching. Uh, jobs. I have always been lucky to have good contacts, so I have been uh, working as a scout in in between. So um, I was working as um, as a coach in in a Danish uh, Superliga club, and the club went bankrupt. And then I get um, uh, I'm FIFA uh, instructor in professional coaching as well. So um, I did, I did that for around a year when I was traveling around the world and. And making coaching courses for yeah very special places Mongolia and uh, Saint Lucia and all them places where you get a fantastic response back for for what you're doing. Uh, FIFA is not sending uh, instructors to Germany or Italy or whatever it is. They send them out where where they need 
to learn the coaches how to coach the the players. And um, but then one day there came that call from from Manchester United that that uh, they were looking to bring some new scouts in to be involved uh, in the first team scouting. And uh, I must say, when you're a first team scout at Manchester United, it's not so much about scouting. It's more, more about analysing how a player can fit in uh, to the football club and to the team because the players we are going for for the first team is players that, that they are well-known. Everybody knows them. It's not about scouting, not about like you scouting. You're going around on a Saturday morning and try to find young talents. That's real scouting. What I'm doing is more make an analyze uh, on players who are targets for us and uh, look at different players, look at different games all over the world and go to tournaments and, and uh, identify as well players who maybe could be one day a target for us. Uh, but um, it's uh, it's a fantastic job because it's a fantastic football club, and to be to to have that pri- privilege to 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 work for them is is fantastic. But then again, to be involved in uh, picking players and analyzing players to play in such a big football club, uh, the biggest football club in the world, um, is uh, is a privilege, and um, I really enjoy it. But but. Again, sometimes when you sit there on a, on a Saturday, um, it's tickling a little bit in my stomach, you know. Uh, then you want to sit on the bench, and you want, then you want to be a coach again. But when Manchester United calls, you never say no. So you're you. I wanna I wanna kind of dive in for a second uh, on some of the stuff you were just talking about in terms of of the the scouting and the process for the American player and the the American family this area is very 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 unknown they there are not a lot of scouts in America and there there is not a lot of um, knowledge about this subject or topic and and so one of the things I wanted to ask you when when you are analyzing players what are some of the the, the specific things you're looking for when you are evaluating or scouting a player, it, whether that be physical traits or, you know, other other traits, yeah. what what kind of specific things are you you looking for as a scout when you're analyzing, hey, can this person who is also an incredible talent and player, can can they play at the level that we would want them to play at to be a Manchester United player? What kind of things are you looking for in that? Attitude, first of all, attitude. What kind of attitude is 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 a player showing? That's what I'm looking for. That that that's for me the most important thing because you need character, you need attitude to to play at Old Trafford. Uh, this is a whole very very special thing to handle to put that red jersey over uh, your neck and go out and play at Old Trafford. Because of the expectation, because of uh, the massive interest there is uh, in 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 that club, so that's the first thing you look at. Uh, that's uh, the, do 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 they show that winning mentality? Do they show the attitude to work for the team? And do they show the attitude that they'll do everything in the world to win this, uh, them football games? And then 
after that, you begin to to look at what kind of position you are, you are scouting for. Uh, you begin to look at the thing that, example, a Manchester United right fullback uh, should should be able to do. That that is, of course, an, a, a, the, a very very important thing. But you can be a good player, but if you don't have that attitude and and that thing in inside you that well, uh, I want to play for this football club, uh, and I'll pr- I'm really proud of it. It's the same as working for the football club. I'm very, very proud of working for Manchester United Football Club, and that's the way I'm looking at the player and see in his eyes when he's playing. Is that a player who will give everything to the football club, and 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 it should be an honor for him to play for us, and. Uh, Many players, you can see that from the start. Yes, he has that. You can see, and then you go and see him away. You go and see him home. You see him against the hard opponent, against the weaker opponent. You see him in bad weather, and uh, you see him in the, when it's really cold winter time or something. And then you see his attitude still there, or or is he dropping because it's a little bit cold or whatever it is. So uh, attitude and energy level, uh, winning mentality, and then, of course, his football quality. You need to have, you need to be the among the best in the world to play for this football club. So, as you're evaluating a player, you just talked about multiple scenarios, good weather, bad weather, a hard opponent, an easy opponent. Um, how long? What's a timeline when you're looking and evaluating a player? Because just I, I don't know how how much you are aware of of the American system, but but so often, even at at high level amateur teams, uh, and some professional teams hold tryouts where you come out and, and literally for a day you, yeah. you kick a ball around and oh well we'll take you. How long are are you evaluating a prospect for Manchester United when you when you're scouting it, from a timeline perspective? It depends on what it. Uh, of course, we have them windows here, uh, winter time and summer time. We have the, the transfer window, and and we we working up to that window. So it's normally around. If if we need, we know for sure that we need a a, a new player for a specific position uh, to the next transfer window. Then it's about. Uh, we have some names lined up, and then we are starting very early to to look at them but but there many of them has has been in our system for for a long time so so we know a lot about them and and we we what we do a lot we do a lot what we call crossover scouting that that um, that example a scout we have a scout in holland and and then we send a scout from Denmark or from France or whatever to have a look at him as well and one from England, and so there's many different uh, uh, opinions on the same player, and we have many reports in on 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 him. So um, uh, it's not like the old days uh, where you can say sometimes you buy a player and he play the next day. Um, uh, we 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 can take our time now to really uh, be sure, but you can never be sure. Uh, about it, you, uh, uh, but 
to be so sure that you mean that this this boy is 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 a player we uh, we want, and some players is some so, so sometimes then you can say yes he's a one, no doubt about that. That that's a big scouting is is very much about seeing you go around in your countries and say and, and you look and you and you can come back and you say no. There's nothing here for us at the moment. Football comes and goes in waves. So sometimes you can go around in, in Holland or whatever it is and you can the scouts there can go for, for a year and there's nothing. But then maybe for the youth scouts as well, then, then some young boy is coming. But uh, the, the best scouts is more the scouts who can say yes or no very quick because then you don't waste time. You you don't waste too much time and that's, that, that can be a problem if you have scouts who really don't want to take that risk and that decision to say yes, he's good enough for Man United uh, because you can see him on the pitch playing for another team and you can see him play absolutely brilliant week after week and then you sign him, and then that pressure that comes taking that red jersey on, you cannot see that on them when, when they play for another team. You will you find out when they come, and they have to go in on, uh, uh, on Old Trafford the first time, then you find out, can he handle or not. But of course, you, you try, that's the reason we try to see them in so many different uh, 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 environments uh, as we can because the best thing is if like the uh, 192 group they've been at, uh, at the football club for uh, the whole life so they know what Manchester United is about the expectation and and uh, the pressure there is and everything that that's go on is about Manchester United every little thing that everybody know everything so um uh, the the good scouts they can say, well, yes, he's our player, and 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 somebody can it can take a little bit of time, but again, there's something you cannot see before they they come in first time. So it's 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 different time wise how you can do it. When I when I started at Glasgow Rangers, um, there was a year before the transfer window uh, started. And uh, we had a couple of games where we have to play Celtic, which is a very, very, uh, what you probably know about, uh, a local derby in, um, in Glasgow, uh, between uh, Glasgow Rangers and Celtic. And the religion is coming in as well. And uh, we could do that, that once we signed Mark Hadley back for that old firm game, we signed him two days before, just for that game, because we know they hated him. Uh, so we signed him back from Coventry in England, I think it was, back again uh, to Ibox. And he started uh, uh, simply jumping direct into the goalkeeper so everybody knows he was there. And maybe he didn't play there. He played four or five, ga four or five games and that was it. You cannot do that anymore with them windows. Uh, you have to wait and you, you can sign them in the windows, but... Uh, and many deals are getting done, as you know, 
the last second of 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 the of of, of the window. So um, it's different times now than it was uh, for 15 years ago. Um, but um, we 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 have to adapt for that. But as quicker we can be prepared that we know exactly what we want and what what uh, the manager needs, then then as as better it is. How much, how much do agents play into this transfer slash scouting process? Do do they ever, are they ever trying to kind of put forth their clients to you guys as scouts? Are they ever trying to influence which way things go in terms of transfers, et cetera? Or, or are you guys kind of, uh, you know, kind of separate it from that? Uh, back and forth no but uh, agents belong to the games nowadays there's, there's no players that everybody have an agent and even even in Denmark or in England or whatever it is the young boys uh, down to to 13 14 15 years old they have agents and uh, they're part of the game and 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 uh, of course they they play a big part uh, because they have the contract with the players and, and they they're good agents and 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 they're uh, bad agents, but this is exactly the same. They're good players and bad players and good coaches and bad coaches. So, so they belong to the game now, and and uh, we we have to deal with them because they represent the players, and they will of course do the best they can do for the clients. So, so um, that's how it is. They. They belong to the football game now, and uh, there are many good agents as we don't have any problem with. So, um, so um, of course they 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 play a big part because they want to do the best for the client. Um, so um, that's that that's a part of the game, and and they are there, and that's the same in basketball or baseball or whatever it is in America. There, I don't think there's a basketball football player over there without an, an agent. I, I don't know, but I think it, it it'll be exactly the same. Yeah, I mean the, the one of the differences with the American sports system that that I definitely don't like is that in global football, if you're a player, you you have the ability to move to another club. You can be seen by other clubs, and the the movement is a little bit easier where. If you're coming up through the the college system and yeah. you're going to go into like the NBA or the NFL or in baseball, they have these draft systems. And so you, you don't yeah. really get to pick where you want to go. The scouts are scouting to see who they're going to pick when whatever is available. But um, yeah. I definitely prefer the, the global football system in that, that I think it's better for the clubs and I think it's also better for the players that you can try to find yeah. – the exact pieces that that you're looking for to make up a team and and build uh, a roster and a squad that that yeah. matches the way that the manager wants to play. So yeah. there in Denmark, I want to I want to talk for a few minutes about Denmark. I I was there uh, a year ago, uh, th this okay. time about this time a year ago, uh, the second yeah. week of May last year, and I'll actually be back there in a few months uh, in the summer. Uh, for for a couple weeks, and and I want to you know for our listeners and our viewers, I I want to I, I don't think Denmark 
gets covered enough in terms of what's really going on there and 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 the football that that's being played and developed and the fact that there are now uh, a few uh, American players that are there. There's a new American ownership group that just bought um, a Danish club as well. Um, you know, what are you seeing there in Danish football um, locally? I see a lot of games here. Uh, uh, I see a lot of games in, in the whole Scandinavia because um, this is this is a part of uh, a scout's job as well to be um, – to be aware of what's going on. And uh, every scout in Manchester United have an area uh, where you come from. Now I'm, I'm, I'm coming from Denmark, so I'm covering Scandinavia. But again, as, as, as I told you, it's, it's different because uh, the level in Scandinavia is, is not so high as it is in Germany or whatever it is. So, but, but, the level of football, example, if, if you take Denmark, it's um, it's uh, the boys are well educated, um, and compared to America, United States, they play football the whole year. They don't have. Um, uh, I, I, I'm I'm so lucky that I have a son who's uh, going on uh, university on college in. Um, in Texas, and uh, I don't understand uh, the rules, and I don't 100% understand what's going on, that half of the year they are not playing games, example. They, they, they play uh, all the games in the first uh, part of the season. They play with Thursday and Saturday and Thursday and Saturday, and then the last part of, 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 of the year, or um, the last four months or five months, what the semester is, they don't play any games. He, he, he got a scholarship in soccer, my boy. And uh, uh, that's a big problem in, 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 uh, uh, in my head, that uh, you should, like you have seen here in Denmark, that all the kids here, they, they have good coaches, they have good facilities, they have uh, the backup from, from, uh, from the club, um, now you say American owners have bought a second division club or first division it's called is after the Superliga uh, people are, are, are coming more and more money into the football here it's a small it's a small country uh, there's only a little bit over 5 million people living here but uh, there's many many good players that, that's going around in Europe and play maybe not we had, we, we had a couple in the, in um, in the Premier League, but but they play in they they play professional football in Europe, uh, many of them, and uh, that's because they have a really good education from from the start on, and and I think that uh, that's so important that the the youngsters here uh, from a very young age uh, uh, we we actually we trained every day. Um, and in the morning, then we went to school, and then in uh, in the afternoon we trained again. Uh, when I was a youth player, and and they do that exactly the same now. So um, more training, more games, the whole year round. Even if it's a wet, we have a very very cold wind in Scandinavia, but we have astroturf, 
pitches. So we can play the whole with the, the kids can play the whole year. And uh, I simply don't understand that the, the rules that college soccer has that half a year they, they, they are not playing competitive games and they are not allowed to, to train so much or whatever it is. It's, 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 um, it's a huge difference between a small country, as, as you mentioned before, uh, and then a massive country like America. Uh, you should have uh, been much, much better than Denmark, but, but uh, Denmark is, 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 um, is, is actually, you know, European champions, and, and uh, so it's, um, it's organized here yeah, and always been organized. So um, organization and especially good coaches for the youngsters that, that coach them football and not just shouting after them. So on your your college um, insight and opinion, I completely agree with you. It's crazy that we, you play, you know, you train and you play, and then you go to college and you play less. Yeah. Um, it, instead of playing more, you play less. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. <laughs> it, you know, it really doesn't make a lot of sense. And a lot of that comes down to, in, in America, the you you have a a different organization in charge of the schools than than the soccer so yeah. um the the NCAA or there's another one called the NAIA in in both cases they they have some similar rules where where you do get this congested schedule in the fall and then really nothing uh, of substance going on in the spring and and, right. and and you're you're not getting that year round um, play. Although mm-hmm. I've I've heard that there have been several prominent coaches who have been getting more and more outspoken on that issue, saying, "Hey, we've we've got to change. We've got to we've got to make some changes." Yeah. But yeah. you know that that change hasn't come yet for sure. And and I do and I saw it. You know, I saw it being over there last year. In, in in that the culture and this is what I've seen you know when I've been in in the Netherlands when I've been in Holland when I've been in Denmark in Spain and, and you see culture a true footballing culture because it's part yeah. of daily life it's not something that you you go do for two or three months and then you you, you put it down for nine months and then come back that's not yeah. how you create real culture. You create culture by making it part of your daily life. So you're training yeah. in the mornings, you're training in the afternoons as you were talking about and describing. And that is how you start to create this culture, uh, a true footballing culture around um, the family, around the, the player, the, the kids. Everyone kind of understands this is a way of life if, you, if you're a footballer. And, yeah. and, and so your whole life gets, you know, woven into this football experience. And then, you know, and then there are some who are like you who are fortunate to have grown up in the game and then have continued to uh, make the game your profession uh, in, yeah. as a player and as a coach and as a scout and, and continue to, to be involved in the game and continue yeah. to work in the game. And, and, and so that, that is one big difference than, than yeah. what we see in, in America, for sure. So when, 
when you look at your Europe and you look at the some of the recent I don't know if you saw this the recent comments from the president of Juventus who's wanting to kind of change up the Champions League and and make it more of a uh, a league and and those teams not necessarily playing in their domestic league what are yeah, have right. you have you have you read any yeah. of that and and do you have any any thoughts on some of those ideas I, I, there hasn't been so much talk about it as um I think you know he's been starting it and and somebody has been you know following it up but but I don't I don't think the Champions League that's going on now and now the Euro League as well is a huge success and uh, it, it 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 makes everything better because it's create a lot of money into football as well and the interest in them games is unbelievable but I think if you take that thing away, the the daily uh, interest in example taking all the best teams away to play in one big European league, uh, you will uh, you will kill the football. You will kill the interest uh, in it because I was in Scotland when when there were. Glasgow Rangers, Celtic, Aberdeen, Hearts, example. They were some of the stronger teams, but but at, at, at some point, Glasgow Rangers got massive financial problems and were relegated down to the fifth league or something. And the whole interest of football in Scotland uh, dropped dramatically because there was there was basically only one team. And and that was Celtic. And don't underestimate the other teams, because people say to me when 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 I when I joined the Master Coach, they say to me it's 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 it, 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 it's an easy league. You you only have one uh, competitive uh, uh, team up there to play against. But when we went to Kilmarnock, when we went to Dundee, whatever we, we went to, it was like a war, because. The games were so difficult because if they could have a draw against us, it was fantastic. If they could win against us, it was unbelievable. But if they lost, yeah, that was expected. So it was so difficult to, to, to play them games. So the interest in them big clubs coming to smaller cities with uh, smaller clubs, that, that will go away if you take Dortmund, Bayern Munich, example, away from Germany and, and let them play in in a, in a, in, a, in a league in Europe for themselves together with with uh, Manchester United and City and Arsenal and and uh, and uh, Juventus and, and and Barcelona and Real Madrid just for name some clubs for example that that, that them clubs going around is of course as well the supporters are coming to 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 see them as well. They come to see their own team and support their own team, but they love to uh, to come and see Juventus because uh, Ronaldo is playing for them. The when when they go and play Torino or whatever they're gonna play, so that will take 
all of them things away from from the football. So I don't think that will ever happen. I hope not. I I hope that we no. don't. I hope we don't ever see it. I'm I'm no. completely with you. I. But that 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 was exactly the same that they were talking about. Glasgow Rangers and Celtic is massive football clubs. We have uh, fifty four thousand to every home game. And on the same Saturday, Celtic could 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 play on the other side of Glasgow with sixty thousand people. And Scotland is a small country, like Denmark, with five million. And they were talking about that them two clubs was too big for Scotland. They should play in the Premier League, but no way. It 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 will. It people talked about it. There was a lot of I don't know if you can remember all the talk. Yes. There was that they should join the Premier League. But nobody would allow it because that would take so much away from the whole football world of Scotland that that um, that that will never happen. And that's exactly the same as when you're talking about a European league. I think that would be the same. Well, like I said, I, I really hope that we we don't see um, that come to fruition. I really, really, really like the Champions League in the way that it's currently formatted, yeah. and and don't want to see the domestic leagues sacrificed for some idea of a European Super League. I, oh. I think in the long run, it would definitely, uh, like you were stating, I agree, would have detrimental effects on domestic yeah. football, but it would, I think it would also have des- detrimental effects on the clubs themselves who were, who were going to leave to play in the super league. Uh, there's nothing, yeah. you know, like, uh, having, e- even though it may not be as, as big a name as, uh, you know, Barcelona and Liverpool playing today when Barcelona plays Espanol or Villarreal or, you know, Valencia, yeah. any of those clubs, you, there, there's a there, there is a specialness, uh, special quality to those matches as well, and and yeah. I think that there, there, the exactly. soul and essence of football would be lost in that kind yeah. of setup. So, look, Tommy, 100%. thank you for coming on the show, and and thanks for joining us. I really, really appreciate really, really appreciate you coming on uh, the show and and sharing your insights. Um, and uh, you know, good luck in 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 the scouting. I know you got another transfer window quickly approaching. Yes. And uh, so hopefully, hopefully you get some things worked out and and yeah. and find some players um, and and help the Red Devils uh, kind of get back to to the top for for their sake. In, in the yeah, in, in the Premier will. League, I, I root for Liverpool. I'm a Barcelona fan first, but I root for Liverpool in the Premier yeah. League, which is a arch rival, but. I still like to yeah. see Man United be competitive because it makes the league better. So yeah, it will, it will come again. It'll there you come. go. There you go. Well, thanks yes. for joining the show, okay. and I look forward to having yeah, you back thank on you again. Very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That was Tommy Moeller Nielsen. He um, is a scout for first team scout for Manchester United. Uh, provided some really good insights and 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 behind the scenes look at what a scout's looking for. If you are a player in the U.S. and you want to make it, you want to make it to the highest level. You want to you want to develop as a player and take your game to the top. He said some things that you need to go back and listen to. Um, you know, you can put all the time into to a to skill, and you should you should be able to handle a ball. And, and handle it comfortably and handle it well. But that 
that mentality, the character, the attitude, being a team player, giving effort, this will that you will not be denied. All of those characteristics are things that American players um, need to take notice of. You are you are entering a world of of dog eat dog. It is the real world where merit uh, matters. And so, if you want to if you want to take somebody's spot at Barcelona or Manchester United or a smaller club uh, in Europe or or even make it as a professional in America. You've got to be able to bring it. You've got to be a baller. You got to be a player, and you got to have a spine. You got to have character, and that means that you can bring it in good weather, bad weather, cold weather, hot weather. It doesn't matter. You are a difference maker, and so it 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 is important to remember that and to hear a scout who is scouting for the first team of Manchester United, one of the biggest clubs in the world. It's important. And you should take notice of it. Thanks for tuning into the show today. Thanks for joining us. You can listen and watch live at DanielWorkman.com each and every weekday at 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tomorrow we are joined by Levy Bird. And on Friday, Eric Winalda. Thanks for tuning in. We will see you tomorrow.